Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Today is a, a special day as we're celebrating our five-year anniversary. Can we give it up? Five years. And, uh, you know, we like to celebrate by uh, giving you stuff. Most of the time, a uh, celebration, like you bring stuff, but we give stuff away. So here you go. You can have a free T-shirt today. And... Uh, and after service, uh, we're going to give away free T-shirts to all of you guys and all of your kids. So it's going to be a great, great day today. And, and I'm really pumped because today we have a special guest. And, and I'm excited because he pastors one of the largest churches in the community around here. And they are doing some absolutely phenomenal things. There are over 7,000 people, three campuses with a fourth campus launching next month. I mean, they are just a church that we look up to and say, man, that's, that's something that we would love to be able to do, to have that kind of impact in the community to where people know Jesus because they know of the church. And Church by the Glades is definitely one of those churches in our community that is an icon in our community that is just making a huge difference. And Pastor David Hughes, um, who's going to come right now, honestly has been one of the greatest sources of encouragement for me as I moved here knowing no one and having really no friends. And, and this guy, no matter what day it is and how bad my day is, does anybody else have any bad days out there? A few of us have some bad days. Well, when I have bad days, for some reason, like, he gives me a call on those days. I don't know if he just hears God that well or if he just wants to encourage somebody. But he is one of the greatest encouragers. And so I asked him a couple weeks ago, would you come and encourage us at Coastal? And he's like, man, thinking totally that he would never do it. And he's like, man, I would love to come and hang out at your church and help you celebrate five years and encourage your people. So would you guys stand up and give a warm coastal welcome to Pastor David Hughes from Church by the Glades. Come on. Oh, sit down, sit down. Thank you so much. The honor has been all mine. I've had a blast today. Uh, I've always appreciated your pastor. But can I say, he works his butt off. My goodness. I, trying to keep your schedule as he does service one here. You know, he encourages the team and the volunteers. Then he hops in his car. If there's any law enforcement people, please escort him to the campus as he violates a great many speeding zones and stuff. Shows up in time to preach to that group. Only to go back in the car and come back here, man. You are working hard for the king. And it's a pleasure. My brother in Christ and my colleague in this man to serve shoulder to shoulder uh, with folks like you guys. Shayla, you guys are amazing. Coastal, uh, it's so fun to do ministry in South Florida with you. We do serve Christ in the coolest place on the planet. I love the ecosystem. I love the culture. I love doing life in South Florida. And it's a world-class mission field. If you love Jesus and want to see Christ become contagious, you live in a great place. So it's fun to do this with our, our, our partners and our brothers in Christ. Coastal, five years! Five years, man. Wow, it probably feels like two weeks and six decades all at the same time. But congratulations, that's no small accomplishment to be this creative in this environment, to take a school and transform it into a beautiful place for worship, for compelling environments for your children. You guys are doing an amazing job. So well done, well done. And what an honor it is for me to be here on your five-year anniversary. So thank you for the great privilege. Hey, let's study God's Word together. I hope you brought a Bible. Uh, we'll put the verses on the screen if you don't have a copy of the text. But if you do, go to um, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. That's the primary text today. I'm going to jump a little bit. We'll start there. And uh, Matthew chapter 4. And by the way, you guys are kind of rowdy, and that's good. 
I'm from a rowdy church. Uh, if you heard about Church by the Glades, we're kind of the crazy people in town. And uh, my people are very smart. But a lot of my folks don't have a lot of church backgrounds. Now, I grew up in church, so you kind of learn like these unwritten church rules and church etiquette. They have no clue. So when I ask them questions, they all answer out loud. And they're rowdy. And in fact, my people are smart. But TJ, they don't even get rhetorical questions. They answer those out loud. So we'll have more fun. And I will surely feel more at home if you'll answer and respond to me out loud. Deal? Come on, deal? Yeah. Let's make the, and interaction is just kind of fun with each other. So I'll turn to find a neighbor, find someone near you, and uh, say this to him. Say, have you been working out? Because you look jacked. You look good. You've been on a special, like, low-carb diet this summer. Look at you. Well, there you go. There you go. All right, so our primary text is Matthew chapter. One more time. Matthew chapter. There you go. Come on, you're the late service. You're fully carb-loaded, caffeinated, ready to go. Matthew chapter 4. And I'll talk to you about something that I think Christ clearly commissions his disciples to do. This is like what you do if you love Jesus 101 uh, and, and something you guys are doing already. The reason God has blessed you so much these last five years, you're doing this. But I want to see you even step up your game a, a little more. I, I can't wait to see what God has planned for this great church in the next five years, starting over the next five days. So I want to show you something Jesus says. Actually, he says this more than once. You stay in Matthew chapter 4. I'll show you. Uh, he says the same thing, framed with different language. In the last two verses of Matthew, it's a very famous passage called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It's on the screen right now. I've highlighted one word. When you get to that one word, if you'll be so kind as to read that word very loudly. Here we go. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. And the chronology, the timing of this statement is very interesting. This is right after the resurrection. There are 11 different resurrection appearances of Christ. He shows himself to be very, very much alive this is the last one. He gives his marching orders to the church. He says, here's what you guys do until I get back 2,000 years from now or so. You, you, you do it busy yourself with this primary activity. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we do. Let's go make disciples. This, this Christianity thing, it should be contagious. And share it with other people. So you're a disciple. Go reproduce yourself. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Get ready. And lo, I am with you always. always. I just underscored that because I just like that statement. that Jesus, I'll be with you always. You do this thing, I'm, I'm the always God, and I'll always be with you. I'll be with you always. And if time allows, I'll circle back around and give you an insight on that. So Jesus says here, at the end of his ministry, so after three years public ministry, after all the miracles and such, man, Jesus said, hey, here's what you guys do until I return. Go make other disciples. Now, if we backtrack in time, three years. Start of his public ministry. And here he's enticing potential disciples to follow him and change the world. He's talking to guys you recognize with names like Andrew, Peter, James, John, Fishermen, they're in their boats, cleaning nets by the Sea of Galilee. Look what he says, now Matthew 4. Look at your Bibles, verses 19 and 20. Or look at the screen, I've highlighted one statement. To entice these disciples, potential disciples, to follow him. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. He tweaks the metaphor right here, right? In chapter 28, he says, go make disciples. But here, because they were fishermen. Any fishermen in the room? Any people like to fish? Anybody? Just like three of us, man. Fishing's awesome. You live in South, there you go. South Florida's a great place to fish. Uh, my family will tell you, my family, my wife, and my kids are here today. I'm probably obsessed with fishing. I love to fish. These guys were professional anglers. 
And Jesus is saying, uh, catching fish, feeding your family by fishing, cool. But come with me. We're going to fish for people. And we will change the world. And they're so intrigued. It says they, they leave everything. And they follow him. And these ordinary blue-collar small businessmen literally go out and impact the world. And we're here because of their legacy. Now, notice he's saying the exact same thing, different language, frame of different words. But it says, to follow is to fish. To follow Jesus, I, I fish for people. Now, there's a lot of things Christians are called to do, biblically speaking, right? Now, you guys are just engaged in passionate, dynamic worship. Your worship here is phenomenal. Other campuses as well, man, great worship. We're studying God's word. We're called to grow and mature and, and study the text and internalize the word of God. A bunch of you guys serve. Your volunteer ministry here, guys, is phenomenal. Your volunteers are cool, by the way. They're all young, cool with jeans and high tops. Man. Very, very cool and great tees, man. I mean, you guys volunteer. You guys are generous. But notice Jesus didn't say, come follow me and we'll study the scroll of Isaiah together. Jesus didn't say, come follow me and we'll practice social justice together. And those are great biblical things. He said, but here's the primary thing. If you follow, you fish. 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 So if you're not fishing, are you really following? Just asking. So we're going to talk about how as a Christian person, we're called by Christ clearly more than once to leverage influence and relationships to bring other people to Christ, to, to share, to bear witness, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, we're called to, to articulate our faith. Now, right now, as soon as I bring that up, there's some people who are going, great, man, I, I do this as part of my practice. One of the reasons my church is growing is my holy habit. I, I try to look for moments to share my faith. But some other people, and you're, you're a Christian person, and you love God, the moment I bring up this topic, you're like, oh, that topic. That sharing my faith, being a witness thing. You're thinking, I, I, ju I just, David, I, I just can't. I'm just not, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. I've, I, I'm just not... I'm a little phobic of rejection. I don't want to be labeled that weird religious guy. I just can't. I mean, David, if you understood, there's a lot of the other things that Christ talks about a lot. I do really well. I mean, I pray well, and I love the Bible, and I volunteer, and I'm generous. Man, I tithe. I do that. Well, I just can't do the witnessing thing. And uh, you're probably thinking what I want to do is spend the next 20 minutes making you feel guilty. I'm not above it. I'm not above a good, you know, drive-by guilting. I've just found, guys, that, you know, TJ, that for me, in my church, guilt is not a great long-term motivator. I'd rather inspire you. I'd rather encourage you. I'd rather say, I think you can do this based on my theology, that Christ clearly calls all disciples to fish for men, to reproduce themselves, to make disciples of all nations, Acts 1-8, to be my witness. And anything I think that Christ calls us to do, he will empower us to accomplish. I don't think Jesus would ask you something to do and not give you the means and wherewithal and the gifting and the power to do it. So I believe anything God calls you to do in any realm of life, anything my great God calls you to do, anything my king commissions you to do, he will empower you to accomplish. So walk with some spiritual swagger when God calls you, don't be afraid. You can do this. You can do this in Jesus' name. You can do this. Turn back to that buff neighbor who's ripped and everything and say, you can do this. Turn to that same neighbor and say, you can do Come on, everybody. Say, you can do this. Might have to look over now. You can do this because my Jesus calls you to do this. So I think you can do this. Now, right now, you're thinking of all the reasons and excuses why you can't do this. 
In fact, uh, I've been doing ministry a little longer than five years, and uh, I've heard a bunch of, uh, I don't want to say excuses, these, these good valid questions. The nice people who love the Lord, uh, solidly saved people who feel weird about this topic, have asked me over the years, and they've said, this is what, I can't do it because of this. And so I wanted to spend the next moments going through some FAQs, some frequently asked questions about sharing your faith or fishing for men or uh, another word is evangelism. Uh, the people have, good, solid people, why they think they can't do the very thing that Jesus calls us to do. Like, like I'll write down this one. Um, I've heard this one a whole bunch of times. Smart people have asked me this. What, what if I try to do this, but I don't know what to say? What, what if I start to talk to someone about Christ and they ask me a question? Uh, about the Bible, about theology, and I, I, I don't, I probably messed it up. I don't have enough information to do this. And I think the premise of that I don't know what to say question or excuse is this, that sharing our faith must be extremely complicated. It's very complex and formulaic, and I probably need to memorize a whole bunch of Bible verses and some outlines and maybe have a degree in theology. That'd be nice. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a, a lot of information. I don't think normal people can do this. Religious professionals, they can do it, right? Pastor TJ, he's good at this stuff, but I'm a regular Christian. I probably don't know enough. I can't do this. Question. Chapter 4, when Jesus wanted to change the world, did he call a bunch of religious professionals? Did he call theologians? A group of rabbis? What did they do for a living? They were, they were what? They were, they were fishermen. Called a bunch of fishermen. There's four of the disciples, maybe more fishermen. After the resurrecting, seven, go fishing. Man, it's a great thing to do when you're confused. Go fishing. <laughs> don't answer out loud. Why? Why? Why did Jesus choose fishermen? Why? Don't answer out loud if you think you know why. Because I've thought about that question a lot. I've thought about the question, why? Why does Jesus choose fishermen? Why? Why does Jesus choose fishermen? Why? And then it hit me. It hit me. I think there's one thing that fishermen, good fishermen, I'm a hobbyist. These are professionals. Good thing, one, one thing that, that fishermen do better than even catch a fish don't, don't, don't say if you know what it is. Here's what it is. I actually saw this demonstrated with great clarity. I was asked a uh, great honor to do the funeral of a friend of mine who was a famous fisherman. Uh, his name was Jose Wahebe, and uh, he was on ESPN for years at the Spanish, the Spanish Fly. And a great angler, gregarious, nice guy, died in a plane crash. And his family asked me, they knew I was a pastor, would I come and give some guidance to the memorial service? They wanted me to speak. But they said, we don't know how to put a service together. We don't know what to do. Would you, would you guide us? And I'm like, I'd be so happy to help. And so what should we do? I said, well, uh, Jose, like music. I'll bring my musicians, and, and we'll have some music for you, maybe on the front end, the back end. And then I would have two, maybe three of his friends bring a word of eulogy, just to, you know, how they loved him, something they shared together. And they said, great, we got it. So like two, three speakers, you'll do the music, and, and you'll speak, and you'll share the Bible or something. I said, great, got it. And so they called me back like two days later and said, okay, we have ten speakers lined up. And all the other stuff, music, whatever. I said, 10. I said, wow, we'll do whatever you guys want to do, but 10, I'm thinking, is a lot. I think a lot. I, I drilled down. Are they, are they professional communicators? No, a bunch of fishermen. A bunch of guys that Jose fished with, his fishing buddies. 10, I'm thinking, this is going to be a three-hour service. It's going to be muddy. It's going to be kind of a mess. It's well-intended. I said, we'll do whatever you want, but I would rethink 10. I think 10 is not a good number. Well, they, they, they did. They rethought it. They called the next day and said, we rethought 10. Now it's 16. And we'd like to have all 16. I'm like, okay, we'll just rock on. And I'm thinking this is going to be a train wreck. It's at the Fishing Hall of Fame in Dania. It's packed to the rafters. There's probably 2,000 people. There's an overflow room. All the speakers are lined up on the front row. It's hot. It's sweaty. And I'm supposed to start the whole thing off and then finish the whole thing, clean up the mess at the end. 
And I'm thinking, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be all these guys, 16 fishermen. They're not spies. It's going to be, oh, so bad. The first guy gets up, starts to share. This fisherman, he was phenomenal. He was a great story, to, great communicator. I thought, wow, that guy, we got lucky. Guy number one's pretty good. Guy number two was better than guy number one. Three, four, five, six. These guys were phenomenal. I mean, one would make you laugh, one would make you cry. And all of them were great. Now, it was three hours. At the end, it hit me. I was so surprised. These guys were so articulate, were well-spoken. It hit me. Here's one thing. The only thing that good fishermen do better than catching the fish is telling you the story about the fish they caught. And all these guys had a personal story about fishing with their friend Jose. You got a story. You got your God story. You got, you've been a Christian like 15 minutes, don't know a single, but you're still looking for Matthew. That's great. I don't care. You got your story of what God has done in your life. You're not the expert on anything except you're the expert on you and what God has done in your life. You can articulate this. Before I met Christ, remember I was kind of a messed up person. I was messed up and someone brought me to Coastal and I heard the pastor speak and it resonated and I, I gave my heart to Christ and Christ saved me. Man, Christ saved me and forgave me and freed me. He's my best friend. And, and so before I met Christ, I was like really messy. And now after I met Christ, well, I'm still kind of messy. But now I'm messy and forgiven. And I'm messy and accepted. I'd love for you to have what I found. That's powerful right there. That's hard to argue with. You're the expert on your story. This may go, I, I, can't, I can't even do that, David. I couldn't tell my story. Okay, can, can you invite them to your church? Oh, my stars. This church kicks butt, man. This church is fun. This church is creative. You got this young music team. They're all like 11 years old with pimples, and they're amazing, and they're, they're gifted. Man, no, no pimples. There's, wow, there's an energy around this place. You can invite someone to your church. You guys have these great business cards. We use the same things. These are wonderful tools. And uh, you start a new series. A new series is always a great on-ramp to invite someone to your church. And you start one on relationships next week called Uncovered. Uncovered. Now, number one, your pastor has a reputation. We talk about relationships, no telling what the boy might say. So you got to come just for that factor alone. But inviting people, let's just see if res uh, relationships resonates with anybody. Anybody here have at least one interpersonal relationship that you value? Put your hands together if you have like one person that loves you, that you like. Come on. Anybody have one person? Some of y'all not clapping your hands. You live alone in a cave. That's so sad. You have one person. I'll wait till you clap. You got one person. You don't live alone. Come on. You got one. Big guy with the muscles in the back. Come on. You got somebody. There you go. There you go. Put those giant biceps. Clap. Yeah, you got one person, all right, who loves you. That's awesome. That's all. Awesome. Now, let's. Anybody here got a weird person in your life? I mean, Lee, you love them. You're glad. Don't clap yet. Don't clap. It's too early. Too. You love them. You're glad you're in your. You're glad. I mean, God blessed you with that person. But, oh, my stars. I don't know why they're weird. They're, they're weird. They're. They're close talkers. They're, they're bad manners. They're bad hygiene. They're, they're, uh, you're married to, uh, ah, man. Uh, anybody got a weird person? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand, please. Got a weird person you're trying to figure it out. Raise your hand, anybody? See, if your hand's not up, I will assume you are the weird person the rest of us are trying to figure out right now. Right? You need some handles, and God is the author of relationships. The Bible is the ultimate relationship manual. And as you're out there with these cars during the week, everybody around you is trying to figure out their weird people. Oh, they'll be so receptive if you invite them. In fact, you, you know what to say. In fact, I grew up in a church, and in my church we were taught some, like, some, 
some extensive like programs, how to share our faith, be evangelistic, blah, 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 long outlines and stuff. They're great. They're great. Maybe you know some of those. But I'm going to train you right now, train you right now in how to share your faith. Ready? Here it is. It's very complicated. Everyone show me your index finger. Show me your index finger. Everyone show me your index. That's great. Everybody, sir, I said your index finger, please. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody got it? Everybody, I'm going to wait till everybody does it. Everybody does it. Here's the hard part. Here's, this is a training in evangelism right now. Here we go. Take it. Do a 180. Turn it 180 degrees this way. This takes coordination, dexterity. You got it. You got it. Now do this number. Wiggle it. Now say, now say, as you wiggle, as you wiggle, come check out my church. Come on. Come check out my church. Come. I go to the greatest church on the planet. You can, you can tweet that. Come check out my church. Say it. Come check out my church. Come on, say it. Come. You are now trained in personal evangelism. Is that easy? Yeah, put your hands together and celebrate. It, it is that easy. You know what to say. Quickly. Here's one. What if, what if I tried before and I failed? Maybe early in my Christian journey I tried to do this and it didn't go well. And I, I, I've tried this before. Nobody ever comes to Christ. No one, I've, I've tried before and I, I, I failed. Isn't it great that Jesus, you know, calls us fishers of men, not catchers of men? Who are my fishermen? Who are my fishermen? All right, all right. Fishermen, we, we have to fight the tendency to exaggerate and brag, don't we? If you're a real fisherman, right there in front of the picture of your kids and your wife, you have a picture of fish, don't you, on your phone somewhere. You have, you have, you have. Fishermen, I, mean, I could brag right now, I love to saltwater fly fish. It's not the easiest application. A, a fly rod's a more difficult technique. I, I do all sight fishing. I fish for almost no fish. I don't see first in the water column. Uh, and listen, I could brag, I've gotten pretty good over the years. I'm not great, but I'm pretty good. I've caught hundreds of cool fish. On my fly rod, I've caught, I've caught snook, I've caught bonefish, I've caught redfish, tarpon. Oh, my gosh, tarpon. My, my fisherman brothers. There are tarpon and every other fish that really wishes it was a tarpon deep down. They're the ultimate sport fighting fish. I actually got a picture. I can show you a picture of my phone right now of me with a tarpon. That's a nice-looking fish, right? It's a nice-looking fish. I caught that big fish on a flimsy fly rod. I have caught hundreds, hundreds of cool fish on my rod. But to be dead honest, a difficult task for a fisherman I could tell you why I've caught hundreds, thousands of fish I have missed over the years. I mean, I've, I've blown the cast. I've misread the current, the conditions, the weather, blowing 25 out of the east. I've had fish with a brain that big and an IQ of 16 make me look stupid time and time. I have missed thousands of fish. So what do I do if I'm fishing the Keys and a school tarpon goes by and I blow the cast? I don't catch a fish. You know what I do? I just keep casting. I just keep casting. Man. I just keep casting. I just keep casting. I fish the net. I catch the next one. See, fishermen are eternally optimistic. I catch the next one. I just keep casting. I keep casting. I keep casting. I keep casting. I, so I failed. I failed a whole bunch of times. So I just keep casting. I'll stick with it. People say, you're a fisherman, David. You must be patient. Heck no. I'm not patient. Persevere. I'm tenacious. I'm dogged. I'm a pit bull. I'm just not going to quit. There's somebody here, some important area of your life. You're about to quit. You're about to give up. Maybe it's nothing to do with sharing your faith. It's, it's your business. It's your finances. It's, it's, it's your education. It's, it's, it's your marriage. 
Can I show you a verse? Can I show you a verse? I love what it says in Galatians 6 9. It's on the screen right now. Great verse. In fact, I didn't highlight the last words, but the last words will rock your world. God brought you here perhaps to, to intersect your reality with his word, this truth. It says in Galatians, let us do not become weary in doing good, for at proper time we will reap a harvest. Look at this. This is so good. If you, we do not give up. Read with it. If we do not give up. If we do not give up. There's somebody here, you are so close to taking a knee. You are so close to throwing in the towel. You are so close, think I'll just run out the clock, game over for me, I'm gonna cash in my chips. In Jesus' name, don't you give up. Don't you give up. In Jesus' name, don't you quit, don't you resign, don't you step down, don't you fall back, don't you give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you give up, don't you give up. I know you wanna quit. Turn to your neighbor, do it, ma'am. Say, don't you quit. You want to quit? Don't you quit. Don't you give up. So why? My family really wonders why all the time, trouble, expense. Why? Lisa will call me. How many times you call me, honey? And your question is, did you catch anything? And my answer is, no. <laughs> why do I keep doing it? Because when it finally comes together, when I finally rightly read that school of tarpon at 100 yards, and I lay out my cast at 60 feet, and that fly drifts by that school as they swim slowly meandering through the waters of the Florida Keys. And that big 120-pound fish just moves up to that, flies a, a hook with a feather. No wonder they don't eat it. And he gulps it subtly. And he fills the hook, and he explodes out of the water like a ballistic missile and peels off 200 yards of backing. I fight it for 30 minutes, bring it to the side of the boat. We grab it, take his picture, and then I just let it go. Yeah, I typically fish, catch, and release. Let the fish go. And my friend's like, really? You don't eat the fish? You don't eat the fish all that time, trouble, expense? You don't eat your fish? I'm like, after 18 holes, do you eat your golf ball? <laughs> do it for fun. No harm to the fish. It's just such a kick when it all comes together. It's so much fun. And guess what? That pales into comparison of being there and fishing for a, a person in Jesus' name and seeing that person show up in the house, taking that card, inviting somebody, you know, inviting them, and wait in the lobby, and they come, and they, they, they show up, and they, they come back the next week because it's so good here at Coastal. And then the third week, they don't show up. You check on them. Got busy, got distracted, and then you bribe them with breakfast the next week. And they come that week, and then the following week, they bow the knee to King Jesus. And you're going, man, God, in some small way you used me, in some small way you used my, wow, God, it's, it's the highest high I know. Third, and we're done. Uh, it's too much pressure. It's just, it's just too much pressure. D David, I understand the biblical stakes. It's heaven or hell, life or death. It's just, it's just too much pressure. What, oh, if I mess up this poor person, I mean, their fate's in my hands. I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're not that important. I mean, a holy God values and esteems you so much he gave his son for you, so you really matter. But when it comes functionality to someone coming to Christ, if God doesn't use you, he'll use somebody else. In fact, God doesn't need to use any of us. God does not need Church by the Glades. God does not need coastal community. But by his grace, he chooses to use us. You see, here, here's the cool thing. It's for the sake of blessing his children, I believe he engages us in a partnership in evangelism. I think he wants us to know that joy of seeing someone come to Jesus. So he uses people. Typically, God doesn't write it in the sky. The sky. He chooses some broken, imperfect person and uses that person to articulate faith in Christ. It's a powerful thing. 
Fishing, again, it all comes back to fishing for me. I love to fish. The only thing better than catching a really cool fish for myself is seeing one of my kids catch a good fish. My oldest, Charlie, is here. Charlie's a pretty good angler. Man, he's a good fisherman. Over the years, bud, we have caught some really cool fish together. In fact, my, I'll show you one picture of him. Charlie caught a mako shark on the West Coast. Can I show you the picture? It's kind of grainy. Look at this thing. Look at, can you make that out? He caught jaws. Um, that's a good angle on that fish. That was a nice fish. But my favorite fish with you, bud, you were like six or seven, and we were fishing again for sharks. Sharks are really fun in the Keys. And a, a bull shark, probably 200 pounds, ate the bait. And what I did was I grabbed the rod, and the fish was hooked up really good, and I grabbed my boy, and I put Charlie on my lap and put the rod in his hands. I put both arms around you, and I had a blast. You were six. You just cranked on that thing for all you were worth, and man, just... He's sweating, and he just wouldn't quit. He's just Now, truth be told, I was doing all the work with the rod. <laughs> but, man, he fought that fish. We got that fish to the boat. We took the picture of that fish. And for all these years, he proudly told everybody how, how the giant, big, biggest fish in the family ever caught was a 200-pound bull shark that he caught in the Keys. Now, I hate to break it to you, bud. I could have probably caught that fish without you. <laughs> and he, he's disagreeing. And um, you could not at that age, you could now have caught it without me. But as a father, what a joy it was to see, to see him catch that fish. I think the heavenly father wants us to enter into his joy. The Bible says heaven explodes with a party the moment one person bows the knee to the king. And I think God wants to party with him. See, the enemy has attached a false fear to this thing. You think, I can do all the other Christian things. I'm willing to. I'll be generous, and I will serve, and I will study my Bible, and I will pray, and I will be kind. I'll do all those other things. I just can't do this. But in Jesus' name... You can do this. So here's the way I want to make the, the action step, the application, really, really simple. Here's what I want you to do. Over the next seven days, because a new series, you got a new series called Uncovered. Your pastor's liable to say anything. Everybody's trying to figure out relationships. This is such a receptive time. This is a great time to fish. I want you to pray this prayer for each day of the next seven days. When you wake up tomorrow, when you're brushing your teeth, you're eating your Wheaties, Pop-Tart, whatever it is, pray this prayer. God, give me one person. Yeah, I won't be weird. Won't be odd or obnoxious. I won't be that pushy Christian. We've all met that pushy Christian. I've met the weird Christian. All right, don't be that guy. But God, I'll keep this on my person. Do that. You don't have this in your back pocket, you know, in your purse, in your wallet. You are not fully clothed the next week. Keep at least one of these on you. They're very helpful tools, right? They give them the information they need. And you pray, God, give me one person today, one nice person that I can just simply invite to my church. You pray that prayer for every day for the next seven days. You watch my God will mess you up in beautiful ways. You will encounter a series of divine appointments. If you're just listening to God, if you're open, if you're discerning, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. I, receptive people, and when I say listening to God, I'm not trying to get all strange or all weird. I just mean there's a special way God will show up and show off in your life when you do this thing. He's made that promise to us. There's a special reality you'll experience, special power, special presence of God when you do this. So you just kind of listen, and you're aware. Well, David, what do you mean by listening? Well, I, I know God can do anything. There's times in the Bible God speaks to people in an audible voice. I've never had that experience. Never, not even sure I really want that experience. Uh, but I found most of the time God kind of prompts my spirit. God kind of prompts. I've never had the burning bush and the voice of Morgan Freeman comes out of the bush, tells me to take off my Nikes. I've never had that one, right? You know, the holy ground. But God many times has impressed upon me when I'm listening to do something. So here's an example of how this works in my life. I'm speaking at a friend's church on the west coast of Florida, great church, South Biscayne Church, great, great church. And it's, uh, I'm going to breakfast. I always do breakfast. 
to make it on time, I had to be at, at Cracker Barrel. Have you heard of that worship experience called Cracker Barrel? All right, I'm at Cracker Barrel, 6 a.m., biscuits are really hot and fresh, right when they open up. And everybody on staff at Cracker Barrel, they're also nice, aren't they? They're all like southern and nice. And so, man, this is nice girl. I'm checking out for breakfast, and, I, and I, I, I'm going back to the hotel room to change into better clothes. And I'm wearing my little gift bag. They had, they had a T-shirt like this. They had a southbiscane.com giant shirt. So I'm wearing that shirt to breakfast. going to go back to the room and put on my church clothes. And uh, so anyways, the girl at the counter, she's been really friendly. She asked a couple of just questions. I can tell she's, she's talkative. So I thought, okay, God, I'll, I'll invite her to my friend's church. I said, hey, do you go to church? She goes, well, no. I said, I know a really great church here in the area. And she said, well, that'd be great. She goes, I've not been in church in years, but I'm a single mom. I'm new to this area. Just got this job. I got two daughters. And uh, I'd love to go to that church. I'm like, great. What's well, called South Biscayne Church? And she goes, well, well how do I find it? And I said, well, uh, uh, I don't have a card. Now, I always have a card for my church. I, I have a card for my church right now. But that wouldn't do her any good to invite her to church by the glades. So I said, well, go to the website. The website is southbiscanechurch.com. And I saw her go, okay, I'll do it. But I looked at her eyes like, she's not going to do it. You know how people do it to you? I can tell I kind of lost her at that moment. It's like when that big tarpon decides to turn off my fly. Like, ugh. I, I, I saw she wasn't going to do it. I said, okay, I hope you're there. Maybe see you, you know. I walked back to my car. I thought all defeated. Like, God, I thought I listened to you. I thought I did what you want me to do. But she, she's not going to check the way. She's not going to go to church. And I felt like God said to me, give her your T-shirt. Now, gentlemen, before you give a woman your clothes, <laughs> you better make sure it's God. That's just weird, right? That's just weird. To give some single girl my T-shirt, just T, right? I, I'm like, oh, okay, God, uh, I'm not sure that's you or not. The information is on the shirt that she needs, but that, that's just weird. So, Lord, I need to make sure that's you. So, um, if I go to my car and there's a shirt in my car that I can change into, so I'm not walking in there without a shirt on, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I knew there wasn't a shirt in my car. I thought, I'm safe. I'm off the hook. There's not a shirt in my I walk to my car, and sure enough, on the back seat is a folded, fresh shirt. I, to this day, cannot tell you how it got there. I don't recall putting that shirt there. I don't know if it's like a reverse rapture and the shirt was placed there by an angel, but the shirt was there. I got in my car, drove around the corner because changing your clothes in the parking lot, that's weird too. I got out of my old shirt, put on the new shirt. I walked in with my shirt. And I said, ma'am, this is really kind of strange, but here's my shirt. And uh, all the information about the church is right here on the shirt. And I thought, okay, I'm so, this is so uncomfortable. And she laughed. She said, wow, this must be a really great church. And I said, it is a really great church. She goes, I'm going to take my girls, and I will go next week. She went to the church. She gave her heart to Christ. Her girls got saved. She's now involved in full-time ministry, and her girls are missionaries. Now, the last part, none of that is really true. That'd make it a much better story, wouldn't it, if all that happened? I, that'd make it a great story. I, I don't know if she even went to church. See, I don't know. I don't even know if she came. I asked my friend, you know, he said, I think I met her, but I don't really know, and all that other stuff, I don't know. But guess what? This stuff could have happened. All I know is this. God told me to invite her and give her my shirt, and I obeyed. That's all we're called to do. You do the little piece that God calls you to do, and guess what? You can do everything my God calls you to do. Anything he calls you to do, he will empower you to accomplish. Amen? And then he makes a promise to it. Let's circle back around to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. One more time, my great king articulates his great commission for us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you. Notice back in chapter 4, three years prior, he didn't make that promise. He didn't say, come fish for men, and I'll be with you always. So they just thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what are you talking about? Uh, Jesus, if we're fishing for men on the Sea of Galilee and you're in Jerusalem, you can't be with us there. Or if we're in the, you know, over here, you, you, we just can't. You're like a limited person. But guess what? The chronology is this. This final statement is after the resurrection. After they've seen tangible proof that Jesus has beaten down death. After Jesus punched death in the throat. And if you can beat death, I'm buying everything else you are selling. That's when Jesus said, guess what? If you'll do this, I'll be with you always. You do this any place, any time. You have the courage. Always. Always. And here's the funny thing. Jesus is always present everywhere by the Holy Spirit. He's the omnipresent God. He's always. So what's this mean? It means, well, I think there's a special manifestation of his presence his power in your life when you're seeking to make a disciple when you're out there fishing for men there's a special way God will show up and show off in your life so guess what coastal community it is game on the next seven days I pray you take that challenge to heart you pray that dangerous prayer every morning over your cornflakes God give me one person today one person today to invite to your house and watch what God unleashes in this place if we take this to heart next weekend. It'll be something so extraordinary as we see something happen exponentially in the house of God. One person, one person, I will fish. To follow is to fish. To fish is to follow. I will do this to bring glory to my great King and He'll be with me always as I obey His word. And I'm thinking this, maybe even here right now, there's somebody and you're not yet a Christian. In fact, this is one thing about Christians that makes you kind of crazy. You hear you're not yet a Christian, you're pre-Christian, and uh, you're thinking, why is it you Christian people feel this compulsion to be sharing your faith and telling people about your Jesus? Why can't you leave people alone? Our King commands us. So to be faithful to Him, we got to do this. We got to do this to, to honor the clear call of Christ. We got to do this. And then the, the other reason is, is it's just too good keep to ourselves I, I mean if, if I had cancer or AIDS someone came up with a cure for cancer or AIDS and gave it to me you had the same diseases I didn't tell you that, I, that wouldn't be just, just wrong it'd be criminal but if that happened I, I'd run out and shout in the streets I'd want everybody to know man. I, and if you had it I would, I would say look I, I, the choice is yours but life is yours just make the choice as great as that would be the cure for those, those dread diseases, Jesus is the cure for death and for hell. And my Jesus wants to be your Jesus. So guess what? Guess what? I'm fishing for you. I'm fishing for you. I'm fishing. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? I know you didn't come to church thinking today was your day. But God is your number, doesn't he? There'll be no better time. You don't want to live one more day not knowing things are cool between you and the Heavenly Father. So I'm going to pray, and we'll be done. But after we pray, there'll be some nice folks by the edge of the stage. And we just have the courage. You can do this. You can do it. We have the courage to, to answer the call of Christ and come to find one of these nice folks and just say, hey, hook me up. I want the whole Jesus thing. I want salvation. I want to walk out of this room knowing things are cool between me and my Heavenly Father. This can be your day of being saved, coming to Christ. Father, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for the huge honor to hang out with Coastal, the great privilege of doing ministry in Broward County, in this corner of Broward County, 
next to this great church, so much like us, yet offering some things we cannot offer. Connectivity, intimacy, passion. Father, I'm so proud of what God is doing here. What a joy it is to serve shoulder to shoulder with Pastor TJ and this great team. So, Father, it's my prayer, favor, blessing in the years to come to exceed what they've known thus far. I pray, Father, the days in the future will surpass the days of the past. And I pray, Father, right now for someone who needs my king, they'd have the smarts, the brilliance, and the courage to say yes to Jesus. We make this prayer in Jesus' name as the church loudly says amen.